groom of the stool. Can you guess what job the groom of the stool would have with the king? What would be that job? Cleaning his shoes. Worse. Cleaning his feet. Worse. Um, I don't know what worse would be. If you have to give a stool sample. His poop. He literally wiped the king's ass. Oh. Groom of the stool. <laughs> you, you, you weren't playing. I'm like, I'm like, stool, is he sitting down? He's, <laughs> History, I'd like to follow me down the rabbit hole. History, I'd like to frankly, I want to know. Hello, and welcome back to Hilf. History, I'd like to fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody, getting cozy with you in the den. That's the Deluxe Edition Network. To find more great podcasts in the den, click the link in our show notes or go to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Today, we are hilfing Anne Boleyn, the doomed second wife of Henry VIII. Now, whether you're big into the royals or you're coming in cold, man, this one will blow your hair back. All right, we got sex, religion, incest, intrigue, War, public executions. I mean, if anyone in history gave great head, it's Anne Boleyn. <laughs> Joining me on the gallows is Los Angeles artist Encrypt. She is a photographer, a director, and the coolest nerd you've ever met. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. I feel like I should preface the yes. fact that you are definitely one of the coolest people I know. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's a lot of work. <laughs> you grew up in Highland Park. Yes, Highland or- Park pre-gentrification. Yes. <laughs> right. But back in, um, I left Highland Park when I was 19. I am 32 now, so it's been about like 15 years or something. Um, Do you recognize it when you go back? Yeah, it's very different now. It doesn't look like what it used to. Before we couldn't walk around, and now I just see everyone walking around. (laughs) (laughs) So it didn't help that I was walking around also with like baggy pants and Mm. (laughs) my tattoos out. I was only like 15, 16, you know, being hella gangster. So I got that. So now it's very different, but I love what it's become. And um, I'm not opposed to it and the change. I feel like it did help our community kind of uh, get united. Um, I haven't, I seen more community outreach programs i see people being able to walk down the street before that wasn't a thing yeah it's cool to see it like the food culture still growing um but it does suck that it was at an expense of like a lot of people getting displaced and a lot of my friends and who had homes are now living in victorville or in vegas or in texas and you're like what the hell happened or they're like oh i'm in arizona now because i couldn't afford living in la anymore right so that's what i feel it took away from us a lot of culture took a lot of our hard work embracing who we were you know a lot of the lowrider meets took place in nella and they're Mm. still happening and it's really funny and unfortunate that now the people who are living there are calling the cops on these cruise Mm. nights right are like completely appalled by you know people Mm -hmm. and lowriders and they think of it like they're disrupting my you know no i pay so much to live here well we've been doing this for over 30 years right you moved in here yeah yeah deal with it right (laughs) so yeah it's 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 not there's so many like pros and cons that the cons overweigh the pros Mm -hmm. but it's still kind of like 
I don't know where I stand. Like, I wouldn't live in Highland Park anymore. Mm. I would never move back. Yeah. Um, unless it, because I'm, it would feel so foreign to you. Exactly. Like so artificial. Yeah, and I think yeah. I would be pissed most of the time. Sure. Fuck I'd, this place. Fuck yeah, that. Yeah. Fuck ugly that guy. fucking coffee shop. What's fucking. The, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, I want to be. I want to wake up being happy. I don't want to be yeah. talking shit and like being that happy where I live. Yeah. Unless I go back to buy the whole block. There you go. That's when I would go back. So yeah. hopefully in maybe 20 years, we can recall this conversation. I own the whole block. There we go. There we go. <laughs> we'll be recording from the rooftop of, yeah. Well, and you took it with you, like whether or not you go back, like Highland Park is clearly a part of your creative expression. Um, you are, among other things, a photographer and you have so much cool shit. Um, in particular, there is a series. It looked like, um, like gangbangers from your old neighborhood dressed in like graduation robes and like they looked like they had just been beat to shit like black eyes bloody nose but they're sitting in these graduate it was such a cool series it was so evocative it was so cool um can you tell me about that and then like how that you know generally informs your work um so I embrace my hood a lot um it is who I am it defines who I am period in my art and that's who I advocate for is those that people would fear and people that would think like you know it's ghetto and it's ugly and it's low income and it's something you don't have in museum someone that would never be in a commercial or like we were pretty much the bottom the bottom feeders of everything you know we're kind of just a victim of our environment we had to just move accordingly and um the series came back around to that and that notion in my art that I try to make sure that everything that people do see as ugly is actually really cool mm. and really dope. And and I feel like we struggled a lot, you know, growing up in Highland Park, finding our identity, having people respect us at school. We, mm. we, we didn't have a lot of opportunities that, you know, I've been blessed to have, but because I saw a teacher see something in me mm-hmm. or somebody, an adult saw something in me. And a lot of us weren't, weren't we didn't have that luxury because we were scared of, you know, authority. We were scared of, we, we got taught to like, you know, don't tell your teachers things. Don't, mm. don't go to the cops. Keep right. your mouth shut. Right. So we were so afraid to speak up. Hey, maybe we want to be something. So we never spoke up. They never, the opportunities never came. So with this, with this series, I wanted to make sure that everyone who used to get looked down on, who were the gang members, everybody in the series, they're all real gang members. Nobody mm. was an actor. Um, half of them, more than half of them, are from my old hood, from Highland Park, mm. the actual gang. And the other ones are affiliated gangs. So even them, they're like, I would never take a photo with somebody I wouldn't die for. Right. Wow. So to them, is like, I had to make sure everyone was okay yeah. with being photographed, first of all. Because uh-huh. they're, they're, they're like running a lot of risk. Sure. Uh, taking photographs and knowing that they're going to get, they're going to blow up on the internet. Sure. It could be that most of them were on the run already you know i think two of them were on the run one of them went back to jail from the photo shoot really he's in jail right now and he like dms me on instagram from jail <laughs> like, it? It? i looked amazing shout out to block boy and he's the youngest one um, he was the one that actually shined in the photo shoot the wow. most um he gave me the most umph um he gave me the real feeling of being a gang member um and with that i interviewed every single one of them from Guys who've done prison for like 20 years and that just got out, who were main heads, who started the gang, to the youngsters who just got in less than like a, a year ago. Mm. And um, I kind of just scaled it up and made sure that I, I was able to cover all my my ends, like 
someone who went to jail for a long time, someone who who kept getting, coming in out of jail, one that became a huge kingpin, mm-hmm. one that, you know, wow. ones that still are trying to, like, change the game now and straighten it out, and they're not in a gang anymore, but they're, like, using their talents that they, you know, for example, one of my friends, Lux, so Lux is, like, a professional tattoo artist now, mm-hmm. killing it. Mm-hmm amazing portraits and he learned all of it in prison so like seeing him grow and get bigger and his clientele's getting bigger and so i i kind of wanted everybody to be in the same room and hear what they all had to say about game banging and how it's changed them and i wanted the youngsters to be there as well how did you initially make contact with these individuals did you i know that you have some shared background and maybe some shared contacts but that had to be a difficult process um no actually it was pretty easy uh my homie little g he's been in the gang for a long time um i love him to death and he's really connected with everyone still so I reached out to him and I asked him, I know there's a lot of homies yeah. out there, but who would look good on camera right. and who would be able to execute the vision of me, like um, showing each stage of being a gang member. And he was so excited. Mm-hmm. We met up and me and him chopped it up. I'm like, yeah. there be some cool ideas that we can integrate in this and make it really authentic and dope. And he gave me his ideas. I told him I had my idea and he was mind blown. He's yeah. like, I don't know how they're going to feel about wearing makeup, though. (laughs) (laughs) But his makeup looked like they got their shit kicked, so it might be kind of (laughs) cool. And he's like, let's not tell them anything. Oh. So his his was like, don't give too much and watch them just do it. Yeah, watch them do it just because they love us and they love you. And they want to do this because they have to, because I say so. <laughs> and I was oh like, my God. And I was there with him when he called each <laughs> one, like, yeah. Ayo, Encrypt's here. Yeah. And they're like, oh, what's up, Encrypt? And they were super excited. Yeah. Like, oh, she's doing this project, and you're going to be in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, say no more. For sure, got you. Don't even worry about it. Wow. <gasps> you didn't have, like, a direct line from Highland Park to being a photographer. There was this incredible island in between. I'm really curious about when you were uh, an IT technician. Now, I know that there's like some boundaries on what we can say. So can I say the company that you worked for? Oh, I don't know if I can anymore, but I think I've said it before, so I don't really care anymore. Maybe I, uh, how about this? Uh, uh, Encrypt was uh, the an, an IT technician for um, one of the biggest entertainment companies in Hollywood. Maybe I can't say the name, but I can tell you they were the subject of a very high profile hack. Yes. In like 2015. Yep. And as the head or a, a head technician, uh, that largely fell on you. I'm so curious to know how you got into being like a high profile hacker, for lack of a better word. And I, I wasn't I wasn't a hacker. They no. hacked us. OK, but your hacking skills yeah, yeah. got you onto the good side to be like good hacker uses her skills to be bad hackers. It, it, it's so sexy. It's so cool. It, I, was, it yeah. was an interesting every time I talk about this, people don't even like what I do now. People will never see me in that space. They're like, what the fuck? You're a nerd. I, <laughs> Yeah. I had no idea. Big or, nerd. Yeah, I'm a huge fucking nerd. I actually went to school uh, for computer science, and my whole skeleton of my life was supposed to be in office management. And uh, so I learned it all. Um, I got into the, ba- the dark sides and the, and, and the, and the bright sides. <laughs> when, when the hack happened, was it like a movie thing where like the computers all had like ones and zeros or like lights went off? Like how did you first know that it had taken place? I honestly thought I was in a movie. <gasps> it, it was so weird. I thought it was a joke. When we all we all walked in and we thought it was a joke. All the computers had like a crazy skeleton. <gasps> and was like, it like Kim Jong Un yeah, dancing around? No, no, there was none of that. No, no, it, no. It was 
the presidents and <gasps> some of the executives like like it was it was names insane like they had red and and, ske- and skulls and death and oh my god i can't, I can't be just too, popping up on yeah the i can't really be specific about what, <laughs> what exactly it was but there was a lot of crazy art <laughs> whoever mm. curated this hack <laughs> It was really good because it was very scary. The, the, it was the, very the art, alarming. Yeah, the art was scary. I was like, oh, "Yo, this we, is like really good." Like, they are. This makes me very nervous. It was scary, you know, and it, and it had death threats and crazy stuff. And they all had um, different screens had different art on it, you know, and it was pretty scary. And I walked. So they into, look at you guys and they're like, "Yo, what the?" F-? Right. As soon as I walked in, I had a my station had four screens. So each screen had the skulls oh and all, and I and I kept pressing delete and things started happening and then I remember my boss like just rushing into the office and saying no one touch shit like everybody don't touch anything like and then we oh got god. evacuated from the building. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, it was a crazy thing. Um, half of uh, the forensic team I wasn't in the forensic team, but forensic team were just like running around and. Nobody touched their computers. and It was a scary, scary uh, moment in my life. But I remember being young and just thinking, it was like, this is so cool. It's very exciting. <laughs> this is so fucking oh. crazy. I am so delighted. I'm, I mean, I'm glad I know you. I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you agreed to do the podcast. And I knew you were a little bit of a nerd. And like, I, I felt like I could flex. I could nerd flex with you. It's going to be so much fun. And when I asked you if you'd be on the podcast, you said yes. And I gave you some ideas. I was like, what, what is a history subject that you curls your toes? And you came back with Anne Boleyn. Yeah. I stood up. I turned in a circle and sat back down. I was so excited. What is it about Anne Boleyn that brought her to you, us? You know what? Uh, I Googled some of it. I've seen the movie, mm-hmm. uh, but I never dove really into it. I just remember being crazy scandal, and I like crazy stories. <laughs> I like being like you know on edge. So I was like, whoa! I read some of it, and I was like, what the fuck? She's crazy. Totally crazy. And, and you know the psychology behind women and what they do under stress and. Just like how catty and fucking gross it could be, like yeah, <laughs> right. Just, like what you said, it has a little bit of murder and mystery and and disgust and and you're shocked and you're yeah, you know, and you're excited and it's so weird. So I'm like, that would yeah. be that's super perfect oh, for me. It was such a great choice. It really was such a great choice. And you know, the story has to be scandalous and nuts. Yeah. If 500 years later, people who have nothing to do with these people are still like, what the fuck? This is my primary source. It's a book called The Lady in the Tower, The Fall of Anne Boleyn by Alison Weir. I'm handing it to Encrypt so that she can hang out with some of these photos and oh. portraits of some of the folks that we're going to be fucking uh, down the road. I'm so excited. Okay, so. He's so ugly. Isn't he gross? Henry VIII, <laughs> definitely a big That's the porker. That's thing that- that's the first thing I noticed. Like, girl, he Henry VIII, kind of a stuffed ham in a collar, like a hundred percent. And and we, if you can picture, even if you're not looking at the book like we are, you know the pictures of these like late medieval royals, right? They are sad. They're pissed. They're fat. They have way too much stuff on. There's a dog. There's you know, <laughs> and. Leading up to this point, like part of the reason why this time is like so unique is because these fucks are inheriting kind of the first peaceful world in over a hundred years. So like the biggest beef in Europe, the biggest source of conflict 
prior to this point is the Hundred Years' War, which lasted 116 years. England v. France, because they have the contested arguments about who, ha who has the right to whose throne, right? Yeah. It kind of ends with Joan of Arc. So if you were looking for a companion episode to this, I have a whole episode about Joan of Arc. You can, you can go there, but it's nuts, right? As happens with any war, but certainly a war that lasts 100 years, odd bedfellows are made, and all sorts of fuckery starts to happen within what seemed these really clear lines. So like the French side that kind of liked the English and were hoping to maybe make a little peace are called the Burgundies. And there are some English people that are like, I'm okay with some of the French guys. And some people are saying, this is great. This is how we make peace. And some people are saying, you traitor, how dare you even look kindly upon a French person, right? And it's yeah. fuck, fuck, fuck. So the, that ends, the, the Hundred Years' War ends, France and England figure it out, and immediately there's a civil war in England. So like, you were too nice to the French, you weren't hard, you know, and it's fine. <laughs> and this becomes the War of the Roses. Okay. You've, have you heard of the War no. of the Roses? It's the Lancasters versus the Yorks, and it lasts another like 40 fucking years. And it ends with Richard III. So if you're a Shakespeare nerd, a horse, a horse, he's the humpback, right? A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse. He fucking dies. That basically ends the War of the Roses. So what this means in crypt is that after like 150 fucking years of endless fucking war and medieval war, we are just bludgeoning each other in fields. There's a marriage between New York and a Lancaster and, every, and France and England, and they arrange a marriage, and their son is Henry VIII. Henry VIII, the embodiment of peace. It's like the alien hybrid mix of all of these York, Lancaster, England, and he's gonna, oh. exactly. <laughs> oh, and everybody calms the fuck down. And he's handsome. He's kind of a Marlon Brando. He likes to joust. He's got a bunch of dudes, right? Nice. And, um, and it's a whole new world. Nobody alive knows a life without war. Nobody alive has a grandparent who knew a life without war. And one of the things that helped me as I was researching this history, sort of get a context for like what was sort of in the stew, is just America post-World War I, post-World War II. Like post-big wars, shit, brrr, you know, gets nuts. After World War I, women started bobbing their hair and showing their arms and you know, airplanes and going to work. And after World War II, it was like civil rights and technology. And, and Exactly. We tend to sort of flip the table after these big reckonings with like violence. And, and it is because we like put all of our ideas aside to just survive for a while. And once your survival is kind of back in, you start to pick. That, that's sad that we have to, you know, endorse so much just to fucking get a voice out. Right. Like, it has to be a war in order some, for us to yeah. be heard. Just like, a few generations have to go through a meat grinder. I, and then they wonder why we're toxic <laughs> as fuck. Like, right, right. <laughs> be exactly. trying to, war had to happen for you to listen to me. <laughs> right, totally. And this is, and it's not just in England. Like, it is it is literally a whole new world. This is 1509. And, and one of the things I like to do in crypt is, like, I kind of take the lens, like, way out to look at global history and then kind of come back in. And, like, I was researching another project and was sort of on my heels when I realized that the exact same time we're talking about right now, 1509, when Henry VIII is coronated, is uh, the time that Montezuma takes uh, control as, as emperor of the Aztec Empire. Yeah. And 1520 is when the Spanish conquistadors kill Montezuma. And 1517, like all within the same couple of years, is when Martin Luther stabs the dagger into the Catholic church wall and is like, 
there is Protestantism in the world. So no like, oh shit, I just didn't realize that all that was shit, happening not, at the same time. It's all happening within five, six years of each other. What the fuck? What I've the honestly fuck? thought that the whole Montezuma thing and the MLK thing was like so many years right? apart. What? It's one of the things I love most about this. And when you really like are digging into a bunch of histories at once, you sort of find these coalescing moments that make you go, holy shit, man. You know? So Henry VIII, one of the ways that I kind of found I could move forward with this history with a certain clarity, it like made everything click in, is I sort of thought about Henry VIII and the whole English court as something like hippies. Okay. You know, fuck my parents. Nobody's parents can tell us shit. Yeah. And we all we have all this power and all this future. We're kind of making it up as we go. And it's happening in all of the kingdoms around Europe. And it's fucking hot. And right? It, and it's everybody a hot time. Need, and everybody needs to just shut the fuck up and let us do us. And ev- exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> this is the part in the story I call when, when Harry met Anne. <laughs> okay? So he's king, and he's married. And he's married to a gal named Catherine of Aragon. And that, even that was sort of a fuck up, because Henry was not the firstborn son of his family. So the, his older brother, as another way to cement all of this European alignment, his older brother had married Catherine of Aragon because she's related to the Spanish royal family. And Spain are the ones who are sending the conquistadors. They're kind of killing it. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, yeah. They're an empire. They're, they have huge influence in the church. They're expanding. Everybody's popping off right now. Everyone's popping off right now. And it's <laughs> super hot for England to get one of them Spanish broads up in their gene pool. You know? <laughs> like, Makes sense. That's going to help things out. Colonizers. But then all of a sudden, Henry VIII's older brother dies. Yeah. And they don't have an heir yet. And so the family is like, we have an idea. How about Henry marries her? Great. So oh they've my been God, married. That's fucking sick. I gross, just, right? What? So he marries his brother's widow. <laughs> They're married for 24 years. She is pregnant four times, only has one living child, and it's an ugly, useless girl. Fuck. Nobody needs a girl. Girls are. Because they need heirs. They need heirs, is exactly right. There has only been one queen in the history of England, and it was in like 1142. It was Matilda. It was a hot minute. <laughs> it didn't work out, right? So we don't pass hereditary rights through girls. At this point, that is not an option. If you don't have a boy, all of a sudden then, this starts going through what I call the splatter of nobility, (laughs) okay? And this is when Harry meets Anne. So in this, like, splatter of nobility, what I mean is there's these... There's people who are t- kind of related to a royal. They're the cousin Yuck. of a niece of a once removed. You know what I mean? They're like <laughs> middle class. Like for lack of a better word, they're middle class. Way better than a commoner. Can't do the royal shit yet. But they're relatively clean, relatively felt well fed. For a woman, huge difference. Because you could read. You could be educated. And what Anne got, which is like dope noble privilege... She was working in the household of royalty. So her dad gets her a job working with this like Austrian queen. She's basically a lady in waiting, one of the attendants. And she's witty and she's funny. People like her. So she eventually gets a job uh, in the court of the, Ing- of the French queen. So I, trust me, I'm not going to bore you too much with family lines, but it's critical. This is Henry VIII's sister is now the queen of France. This is, again, how we cemented that English-French piece, right? And Anne and her sister Mary are ladies-in-waiting to Henry's sister and France at the time. 
is has the reputation of like oh <laughs> tell me more though like what do you mean it's like there were rumors you know like there's all these spies there's all of these like intrigue kind of people who would hang out for three or four days in the french court because they were there to deliver a message maybe and while they were there they were like the women sit much closer to the men. Mm. And then you start to get rumors of like, who is in a parlor together and they stay up all night and they sing and they dance and they play music together with the company that we would never. It's still a cultural difference. You know Definitely. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And those cultural differences and also because they were enemies for so long, they're now super duper curious about like mm, each other, what everyone's up to. Exactly. <laughs> so everyone's having a great time in France. And, and then Anne and her sister Mary, who are both ladies-in-waiting, are called back to England basically to be married off and, like, do their thing. And their dad is like, okay, you're a higher value now <laughs> because you've been in all these courts and you're these ex exceptional ladies with education and experience and blah, and now I'm going to marry you off for my benefit, <laughs> right? And Mary gets married first, LeBron, and then Mary, Anne's, Anne Boleyn's sister, is the first one to become Henry VIII's mistress. You may know this if you know the yeah. other Boleyn girl. Yes. Do you know that yes, one? Yes, okay. yes, yeah, yeah, so the other Boleyn girl, great novel. I think it's a great movie. I haven't seen it yet. I she, usually she's wait. She's the older one, right? Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Um, total work of fiction. We know what happened. Mary had an affair with Henry VIII. That's for sure true. Everything else that happens in the story is fictional and based on virtually nothing, but it's still a great context for it. <laughs> and Henry is married, like I said, to Catherine. Now, the problem is Catherine can't have any more kids and has only had this one useless girl so he's like uh, and he's already kind of starting to look around and and there's this you know sort of courtly love idea that you can flirt you know the king can have concubines as long as he doesn't get them pregnant and as long as they don't like act like they're queen like that's okay and you can you know have um do you know what courtly love is does this no. make sense Sounds like Courtney Love, who <laughs> is very different than courtly love. Um, courtly love is romance, man, right? It is like you, because it's so obvious you couldn't marry the person you were in love with. Marriages were transactions. It's like, do you love your accountant? Do you love your dentist? It's not important. They do a job for you. You check out whether or not they can accomplish the job that you need, and love is sort of irrele irrelevant, right? Um, but then because of that, outside of your marriage were all of these like huge gestures of like jousting and wearing a lady's token and getting the, the writing poetry for someone that you loved. And um, the closest thing I can kind of get to understanding that is like brand love. Yeah. Or like loving a brand or a band. It's yeah. like... And, and the things that come with it, like I'm a Mac person and if you have a PC, like that's just a thing we have to like deal with, even though those companies have nothing to do with us. Do you know what I, I mean? They it. don't actually yeah. give a shit. So there is this kind of wild situation where Henry VIII meets Anne Boleyn, his wife's lady-in-waiting, his mistress's sister, sister. <laughs> okay? And he wants her. He falls in love with her. And it's courtly love, but he wants to bring his side piece huh. into, into the queen's position. Right. And he's looking at Anne Boleyn and he's like, ah, fuck, here's the thing. I gotta have an heir, right? Catherine literally can't have any more kids. And the one she gave me is a girl. So we already know that's like out of the picture. Mary's not an option. She's married, divorced, and was a mistress. I fucked her already. Anne has never been married before. 
She's apparently a virgin, or as close as you can be to being a virgin. You know what I mean? When you've been in France for six years. But he's convinced <laughs> of her purity sufficiently to this purpose, right? And he loves her. This encrypt is a revolutionary act that the king would even consider choosing a queen for love. She brings nothing to the English court. She's, just, she's broke. She's, she's, she's yeah, not, she doesn't have any money, but she's also not, she's not related to anyone that benefits she no them. She has no brand. She's just cool and hot. <laughs> and more importantly to Henry, she is uh, hard to get. Okay. She won't Lovely. fuck him. Mary was apparently all up in it. She not only won't, which drives him crazy and reinforces that she's great, right? Um, but she also says, I won't unless you make me queen. Nice. Put a ring on it, bitch. Literally put a <laughs> ring on it, right? And also, like, how, how is this going to work because you're still married? <laughs> okay. So the king is blue balls and is like, fuck, 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 fuck. Gotta marry Anne. Gotta marry Anne. How do I do this? Now, remember, we're in new post-war. You can kind of do whatever you want, bro, right? So he finds a loophole in the Bible. <laughs> Which, oh, the spoiler Bible. alert. I love it. A lot of loopholes in the Bible. <laughs> so if you many want interpretations. Yeah. If you want to find a reason in the Bible to kill somebody, you got it. Yeah, and if you want to find a reason to get out of something in the Bible, good news. <laughs> you're forgiven. It's in there, too. <laughs> yeah. It's got everything you need. And apparently, if you're looking, you go to Leviticus, all right? And there's a verse. I'm writing it down. Okay, yeah. You may need this. That says it is a crime against God to marry your brother's widow. What? There, there's actually a fucking Boom. verse in the Bible that says that? Yeah. It's Leviticus 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and it says that it's unholy for a man to marry his brother's widow. And so... Henry VIII's like, da, 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 and he goes to the God Pope. God said I can't. Totally. And he goes to the church and he goes to the Pope and he's like, I got great news. We're going to get an heir out of one of these sluts yet. All we got to do <laughs> is agree that Catherine is, was a mistake and God didn't like it and God didn't like it so much. That's why I'm not getting an heir. So we're going to fix that. We're going to annul, not a divorce, annul that marriage. Then, because it's a sin. Correct, because it was never holy in the eyes of God. I'm going to marry Anne, who's awesome, and that's how we're going to roll. Who's on board? And nobody was on board, right? I mean, um, they were. There, there has to be a verse in the Bible that says you can't marry your mistress. Yeah, but they hadn't fucked yet. Ah, so technically, mm -hmm. I'm still in Like, Anne may be read up <laughs> herself, right? Brilliant. So the Pope is like, hard no. And there's, and there's a lot of reasons for the church to be like hard no on shit. Like we're starting to draw lines. You want to know why? Because that Martin Luther fuck with his dagger and his thing, that was a problem. Real challenges to the Catholic church. And the church has had its problems. It's had its crusades. It's had its, you know, Eastern and Western split and stuff. But this is new. This is people saying the Catholic church is bullshit, right? Yeah. We are now inventing a Protestant future. And the church knows that's probably not going to be great for them. And now Henry VIII is like, can you just super quick annul a marriage so I can super quick get married to someone else? And they were like, God damn it, no. <laughs> like, heck no. Also, so that's one reason why the church said no. The other reason is because Spain, Charles V, is like, <clears throat> that whole fucking marriage, that whole goddamn alliance was part of a deal. That meant I now have a little toe hanging over England too. So if you annul this marriage, I'd like to know what rights and what understandings the rest of us Catholics in Europe have if you can just go change your mind and basically void our contracts, hmm. right? 
And then, of course, there's cunts. There's just cunts. There's people with various interests that are like, ooh, it'd be great for me if this happened. Or it'd be terrible for me personally if this happened because of who knows, your relations, your vested interests, right? So there's all of this excitement just about what is going to happen with Catherine. But generally, the Pope finally, Pope Clement VII is like, hard? No. You cannot annul your marriage to Catherine. And heads roll and all these things happen. But ultimately, Henry's like, fuck, I can. He declares himself supreme over the church. Wow. He goes around the Pope. Catherine moves out <laughs> and moves in How and is coronated is queen. How is that conversation? Oh, uh, <laughs> guess what, boo? <laughs> Gotta move out now. <laughs> you yeah. know, homegirl Anne, who's been like washing your clothes and... Mm. You know, taking care of you, who's been chilling here. She's kind of hot. She's so hot. And she's got a tight little snatch. And we think maybe she can deliver. And it's like insult to injury, too, because also Catherine's Catholic. Yeah. So she's like, oh, you know, like, you're, how dare you? And also, I know what happens. You annul this. You know what that means is our daughter is now a bastard. You've, Ill you've illegitimatized our daughter that she was not going to be queen or maybe not whatever. But you've just stripped her. From anything. Of anything. She's nobody now. She's nobody now. And Anne is a cunt about it, too. She not she pushes Henry at points to kill them, Damn. to execute them, because they're a huge threat to her, right? Catherine and Mary are the, you know, they're And the she hasn't things. given it up yet. And she's still claiming After they, they do have a secret wedding. They get married. She gives it up. Then she, they have a proper wedding, and then she's coronated. And Catherine and Mary are still alive, just like in their new house. Like, <sighs> no! <laughs> you know and it's uh yeah and it's so bad and people are so pissed and people generally are pissed i mean i don't know you know it's like when you write happy holidays on the starbucks cup <laughs> you know this is a bigger deal than that you've just gone around the pole declared yourself an annulling marriage is like people are mad Anne is so hated because she's such a cunt and it isn't just that she advocates to have the murder she like has mary serve her right i mean a bitch yeah yeah she's like oh now that you're a bastard child why don't you go clean my laundry mm -hmm. and mary remembers this for a long long time um and it's so bad and it's not just in the court it's throughout the countryside people hate her that there's a law passed in 1534 called the act of succession that makes it an act of treason to talk ill of the queen or to say anything that implies that she is not the real rightful queen of England. Wow. And treason is execution straight away, right? Wow. So Henry's fucking serious. He's like, I didn't do this lightly. I wanted her. To she, I had her. Now I have her and the whole country's going to goddamn get in line, right? Wow, that's crazy. crazy. She has power. Crazy, right? And Anne, Pussy yeah. whipped. <laughs> and I don't know about you. I don't know about you. I have never had anybody hold out on my pussy for years, dismantle the church, <laughs> annul a marriage. But it's hard to live up to. I have to imagine that's hard, hard to live up to. You yeah, know I mean? she you had a golden hot. one. And I know she was in France for a while, but it's possible <laughs> that she oversold the package because it, by all accounts, doesn't take long for Henry to be like, yeah. Over it. Mm. Fuck. Fuck. And, then, and that's what happens a lot, though. I feel like they overcompensate, they get what they want, and then now they're like, oh, I'm over it. Totally. And then they're like, 
fuck it was just the chase that they were into totally it's a very modern thing right and also you kind of get like oh yeah and all those people who were like against it are like see it's called lust you dummy like there's a reason why we talk about it but it's also like you know she he liked her because she spoke her mind and she challenged him and she was sort of interesting and like now she's had three pregnancies and she's sort of puffy and she cries all the time and she still challenges me and like what was a cute adorable little flirtation is now just my bitch wife won't shut up like honestly he starts to if it starts to fall apart this book has uh specifically part of what was turning him off was that she um argued with him in public she ridiculed his clothes and his poetry <laughs> and she sometimes <laughs> appeared bored in his company i mean this bitch imagine she had her phone i could imagine she was yeah. a girl in the corner on her fucking phone on instagram like work fuck this guy yeah she was like whatever but i mean and yet here we are she's firmly entrenched right so where we are at the at the end of 1535 she's officially queen she's done got the crone right she's on the currency we pass the law if you talk shit you dead right (laughs) (laughs) and very exciting she's pregnant again (sighs) all right and that is where we are going to take a short break This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Before we all lose our heads, a deep-throated thanks to those who help me keep mine, (laughs) my patrons. Oh, their support keeps the books open and the discs hard, and I truly couldn't do it without them. And all hail our newest patrons, Gilbert J., Desiree S., Sean L., and Karen. Ooh, their generosity, good judgment, and sheer sexual prowess is apparent and unquestioned. As patrons, they also get a bonus HILF episode every month, are invited to choose future episode subjects, and will be the first to get our upcoming merch. Oh, want in? We'll go to patreon.com slash podcast and let's dance. Find more. Keep up with me and spy on that merch I mentioned when you... Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow Oh, and where we left off, we had Catherine of Aragon, Henry VIII's first wife, and and her daughter Mary. They are not imprisoned or anything, but they've definitely been sort of pushed out on a raft. (laughs) You know what I mean? She spends her last years just writing kind of sad sack letters to various people saying, doesn't this suck? And I am still queen, don't you think? And they're all like, yes, of course, your majesty. Um, And we've got Anne Boleyn pregnant again. Yas. Okay, we've got one living kid, Elizabeth. She's about two. We've had two miscarriages. We're now with our fourth. And this one, not only we've got, this one's going to stick. It's got to be a boy. You know? We need an heir. So she's visibly pregnant. Everybody knows she's pregnant. So in January of 1536, first, right out of the gate, first week, Catherine dies. Oh, fucking finally. January 7th, that bitch, it dead 
right? And it's like Henry and Anne are both like, oh no! <laughs> Son no. of a bitch! Yeah. <laughs> and like some more than others, like, you know, it's you're supposed to mourn, you know? But she's wearing yellow. Anne comes out the day Catherine dies wearing bright canary yellow. The disrespect. Yes! Right? And she it. is, and Henry's relieved too, because this was the only one who really could contest her place as queen. Really, you know, yeah. and it doesn't matter now anymore as much how you felt because it's a done deal. It's a, it's a, it's an answered question. What did right? she die of? Uh, they don't know exactly. My understanding is actually in the autopsy, such a thing. There was a lot of black around her heart, hmm. which only makes it into the historical record, I think, because there was a suspicion of poisoning. There was still some suspicion that her death was quickened by the queen. There's not really any evidence of that. People drop dead in the Middle Ages all the time, especially old bitches who are sad all the time. <laughs> uh, but she might have had some heart disease. Who knows? Um, but now Mary, her daughter, is in a unique spot. She is either an illegitimate bastard cast out with no prospects at all, or she's in line to be queen. I think we know which way you'd like to push the card. queen, of yeah, course. Right, exactly. Um, but this also means that for people who never recognized Anne as queen, there's a chance, there's a window, right? Something, there's a, there's a fracture in your agenda. Um, so within a few days of Catherine's death, there's just this mysterious fire in Anne's bedchamber. This is not a huge deal, but it leads up to a series of bullshit that happens in the weeks after, just within the month of January 1536, that I think all together contributes for this like stark change, especially in Henry VIII. So the first thing is like Catherine's dad is like, hoo-hoo, and then immediately it's like weird fire, and nobody dies, nobody gets hurt, but it's crazy. It's a, it seems like another bad omen, you know? Yeah. Um, then our guy, Henry VIII, gets seriously injured during jousting practice. Okay, this is going to be very naive of me. Can you tell us what jousting is? Yes, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> because I so badly want to take you to medieval times. I think, I think that it would be oh, so it's much fun. It's, yeah. it's the horse. The horse is. In, yes. Yeah. So if you've been to a Renaissance fair, yeah, yeah, if yeah. you've seen a knight's tale, exactly. Jousting is two mounted horseback riders heading towards each other as fast as they can. And there are a series of physical challenges involving knocking each other off the horse with this long spear, uh, acts of dexterity, you know, catching rings and so on. And this was often a platform where courtly love would take place. You know, a, a knight or a, a competitor would sort of look for a lady's approval. And if she waved her handkerchief or gave you some token, it was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna fucking win this joust. Big deal. <laughs> and Henry VIII fucking loves to joust. He's loved it since he was a kid. Yeah. It was always the thing like him and his bros did and you remember i told you that like he wasn't king right away like his older brother was king and then mm -hmm. he marries the widow so he was just sort of like the spare, the spare heir, child. Like, yeah maybe he didn't know how high the stakes were gonna go so he was sort of a cool like playboy but jousting very important to him keeps him fit we see what a fat ham he turns into later that's post <laughs> he's that's so ugly i'm sorry post jousting he used to be like kind of a beefcake kind he of this icon totally yeah, yeah, for sure. So he has this very serious jousting accident. And the, it's interesting we know this because the historical record in this period sometimes is so thin. It's so hard to piece together exactly what it was. First people like a hunting accident. And they're like, no. He wasn't like out in the woods. He was like in court when it happened. So they're like, no, it was jousting. But there wasn't a match. He wasn't jousting anyone. Mm. And finally, like piecing it together, they were like, he was probably practicing because there was a huge match coming on May Day, and this is January. So he's starting to get training, right? Get ready for this huge public annual display. Bottom line is, he gets fucking hurt so bad 
that they think he might be dead for a couple of hours. What? But how? how who is he? Something Did happened. He, like, a horse himself? fell on him. I think he <laughs> fell. Like there was some spooked horse and a horse landed. Like he, he hit the ground hard enough. There was probably some combination of head injury. And, okay. But he, he doesn't break any bone. Like it's not obviously he doesn't have a broken leg, but it's a serious accident that knocks him unconscious. Right. Okay. At least for a period of time. That makes people so nervous Right. Even though he comes to and he's okay, that they have to like break this news to the queen. Like, hey, he had this like really serious accident and he's like not great right now. And they know they got to tell her calmly and carefully because she's pregnant. She's Anne. She's kind of a wild (laughs) handle. Right. What the? And she does freak the fuck out. They tell her, she's like, ah, you're right. Because without him, she's toast. Like she knows how many people hate her gut. They had to literally pass a law that you can't (laughs) talk shit about her. You know what I mean? And whether or not it's causation or not, um, she delivers a stillborn child five days later. Oof. And the child is developed enough that they know it's a boy. Oof. Oh. Right? Damn. All her plans are ruined. This is bad. This Super is so bad. bad. And she knew this is probably, like, we're not going to do this forever with you. She also was there when one of the pillars of the argument for annulling his marriage to Catherine was that this twat don't make boys, right? And that it is a proof of God's displeasure that we keep having all these miscarriages and stillbirths. So that she is experiencing the same thing becomes uh, further complicated, right? But she tells Henry, she, you know, he's, it's revealed, and he gets mad. Hmm. He's mad at her, right? And she, as you piece together the record, it sounds like her biggest fault to him at this point isn't just that she miscarried. It's that she doesn't show her usual gentleness of like, I'm so sorry I've disappointed you. You are king. You are perfect. I am flawed. How can I make this right? I will repent. I will go to God. All of this just supplication. She probably just implied that she was sad too. He turns on her real quick damn everything's going backwards yeah. for her now if you're giving this history in a paragraph it's she miscarries again he dumps her and it may have been that simple but i think there was like a lot more going on plus he just had this near-death experience which means gotta have an heir has come yet again to the forefront he knows what happens when there's no air apparent like shit gets crazy right and it don't hurt that before this even in 1535 Henry caught the eye of, get this, one of Anne's ladies-in-waiting. Whoa, he's going backwards again. Mm, a girl <laughs> named Jane Seymour, which I Sounds for familiar. One, like, if anybody has exclusively, like, fat, mustachioed German mamas as your lady-in-waiting, you know what I mean? Like, this seems like, like people who get, like, nannies in L.A. Yeah. Like, you need to know better, especially if you were the nanny. <laughs> Dang. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yes. why is this hot twat in your ladies-in-waiting to begin with, Anne? You should know better than this in any event it's jane seymour and and truly jane seymour is sort of put into henry's view by people who are like he's gonna love this you know she's really put her in a platter oh yeah served it to him say yo this could be your salvation here right and if you are one of the people who has always loved catherine thought this whole thing was disgusting from the beginning liked Anne, but then she's kind of a cunt so maybe you were on her side for a minute but she's just really ruthless Maybe you're super, super duper Catholic and you hate that this whole dismantling of the churches and like the king is in supremacy over the Pope, blah, blah, blah. 
you now have this like golden window. Catherine's dead. The king is flexible. The queen has miscarried a boy. Like we've got a window and Jane Seymour is already so appealing. Right. And so here are the hammers that are coming down. One of the first things is Anne is moved out of her rooms that are right next to Henry's and Jane is moved in. Oof. Mm. Was Anne pissed? I would be so pissed. Well, it starts with this guy named Thomas Cromwell, who's like the king's favorite guy. He's in the privy chamber. He's He's a close advisor. He's got tons of spies. He's got rooms right next to the king. And he moves out to make room for Jane Seymour. And the queen is like, what the fuck, Tom? So at least <laughs> right? so, so it wasn't her rooms. It was yeah. somebody else's room. Her, so they kind of they kind, they slid mm. her in very Pre- cautiously. Precisely. Right? And <laughs> Anne is like, I know exactly how this goes. I know how this works. I know who move, maneuvers the other woman into his view and makes it convenient for him and all this stuff. And there's spies working for Spain that still are like, okay, <laughs> Catherine's dead, but that Mary is the one who's connected to Spain. So we can still have one little tiny baby toe over England that can still be Spain's if we can influence the powers that be to leave Anne, right? It's super complicated. And they're getting bribed. And there's people within England who don't really give a fuck, but if the right person gives me enough money, I can use my influence to like make this happen. And I'm sure it was the people working in the house, right? Exactly. And Jane Seymour's family is like, oh, wow. Wouldn't that just be great for us? If Jane was queen, like, yes, everything changes for everybody, right? Transactions after transactions. Transactions after transactions. And watching all of this uh, is our friend Anne, who I told you is witty, smart. She knew all about how this, you know, stuff works out. She has this one ace in the hole. She has parliament, which is sort of newly created, and they're generally in her favor. Whenever anything kind of comes to parliament and the king's supposed to defer to them, they're generally on her side. So she's got them. That's sort of useful. And she's got a minister. She can still determine what's spoken at the pulpit on Sunday. And this guy is named John Skip. And on Passion Sunday, April, he gives a sermon in front of the king and in front of Thomas Cromwell and in front of everybody that in not so subtle language is like the king be fucking up he's fucking too many women let's all remember the stories from the bible of the terrible king who was led astray by his lust and having too many concubines and everybody suffers when the king is a big lustful cunt right and let us not forget the stories of the king's advisor who went against the queen and who earned god's displeasure and great and it's just hammer 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 right and like cromwell and henry are both like sitting there listen to this shit like fuck you he's kind of right (laughs) that sermon truly encrypt like that you stick a pin in that. That's the one. Like, that seems to be the point around which you can spin Henry's. He might have been able to just, like, I'll annul this marriage. You know, same thing I did with Catherine. She'll go live in a house somewhere <laughs> with Elizabeth while I could be fucking Jane, and we'll just move on, you know? But something happened in Thomas Cromwell where he saw a threat and was no longer like, we can just annul this thing with Anne and maybe get through this with a divorce we got that she's got to die. What she's told me in this sermon is she's coming after me. So if she's sitting out there in some house somewhere, she's not going to write sad letters like Catherine did. She's going to get me. She's going to get me. And so I got to get her. So the historians of our century have really pivoted strongly to Henry VIII told Thomas Cromwell, nail that bitch. I don't want to be married to her anymore. 
to Henry VIII wanted to get rid of Anne and Thomas Cromwell wanted her dead. And he's the one who's orchestrated everything that happens after. Okay. It gets gets, gets hot. We're getting into the blood bath now. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. (laughs) There was so much gossip. There was so much media buzz about this sermon. And the reason we know that this sermon didn't just tickle Henry VIII and Thomas Cromwell's pickle, right? We know it must have sent ripples because people write letters about it. And there's a lot of printed copies of this sermon. And the only reason you would have just all of a sudden a ton of printed copies of one sermon is because people are like, I'm sorry, what, what, what did he say? Like, what was it? And, you know, and it's, and, and it's crazy. And they're passing it around. Yeah. April 15th, Henry VIII dissolves Parliament. Oh. Exactly what Anne said. <laughs> right? Oh, that, that's one of my safest havens. This just agreed upon entity of individuals that decide things and they generally decide with me and the king was like poof they're gone now you no have more no parliament. ammo mm-hmm. um and she may or may not have known at this point the extent of danger she was in on the one hand some historians point to places she went letters she wrote that implied that she was pretty unaware that like let's be dead soon Right. And then there are some accounts that were like, oh, she ran. She at one point runs up to Henry VIII in the hallway holding Elizabeth, crying and just like, look at your daughter. Look at me. Talk to me. Please. Let's go together somewhere. Let's go on a trip together or something. Because she's like knows that he's being talked to and some of it's coming through to her. Right. But she's also sort of a prisoner already because for a queen, for anyone in this sort of position, she was literally never alone. There is no letter. You can't give a letter to someone without it being read, without it being taken. Nobody is getting a correspondence to you. There's no news. There's no rumor mill. Who she's with and what she knows and who she can talk to is incredibly closely scrutinized. Like her butler or whoever's cooking her meals. Mm -hmm. No matter what, it would still land in somebody's hands. Those people all work for Henry. Right. And um, and and specifically, right, on May 1st, that May Day joust, the one that we believe Henry was practicing for. Now, keep in mind, he's still broken. He never jousts again. From that accident on is when he turns into this fat, sad fuck. There may have been some (laughs) trauma, some head injury, some whatever, but he's got like oozing injuries and he's just Uh. real. And he's sad, too. And on this day, I'm projecting but he's older. He can't produce an heir. This is the second woman in a row. And all of his best friends and buddies are out there jousting and doing the thing that makes him masculine, that makes him feel all of these things, right? Yeah. And this is a legendary moment. Anne and Henry are watching this amazing joust, this huge festival. A messenger comes to Henry, whispers something in his ear. He stands up dramatically turns and exits the arena leaving Anne alone bewildered you don't have twitter right (laughs) if you want the world to know immediately that the king is done with the queen you kind of gotta have a bunch of people go right and how she was like okay and she gives tokens (laughs) one of the people who's jousting is her brother and so she kind of does the like, good luck, everybody. What well, that was weird. She tries to get him. He's not answering her texts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like she is isolated. She never lays eyes on Henry VIII again. Oh. 
What we know is that prior to this, just like a week prior to this, the king had come back from some hunt and Thomas Cromwell was like, your majesty, I'm so sorry, but we have revealed evidence that the queen is not only having adulterous affairs, but she is conspiring to murder you with the guys she's been fucking. And the king goes, oh my God, make sure it's true. Find out if it's true. And Cromwell's going, you bet your ass I will. Because of course he had orchestrated, before he even tells the king that this is happening, he's put the pieces in place. And they do this intense investigation. And here's the accusation. The queen fucked these five guys. Oof, she went in. George Bolin, her brother, a.k.a. incest, a.k.a. even worse than just adultery, fucked a family member. Sir Henry Norris, one of the king's best fucking friends, one of those guys out jousting, goddamn. <laughs> right? Oh, this is my favorite. Sir Henry Norris is groom of the stool. Can you guess what job the groom of the stool would have with the king? What would be that job? Cleaning his shoes? Worse. Cleaning his feet? Worse. Um, I don't know what worse would be. If you have to give a stool sample. His poop. He literally wiped the king's ass. Oh. Groom of the stool is with <laughs> you him. You weren't playing. I'm like, I'm like, stool, is he sitting down? He's, that's is he like, I was, I remember, here's how I know. I, I didn't remember. see anything stool as like poop. I, I honestly, I was like, I don't want to go there. In my, like, am I hearing this shit wrong? <laughs> <laughs> totally right. Yeah. Okay. Now he, yeah, he, he cleans his ass with it. Yeah. Physically. With and his that hand. was a great job. Wow. Mm, yeah, that was a job right. you wanted. You work with the king cleaning his ass. You oh. clean his ass. No one's closer to the king. And this is, these are exactly the way they say it. No one's I closer to the king. I want my daughter to marry him. Mm, on the groom of the stool. <laughs> I mean, it's a big job. Wow. And apparently uh, not disgusting enough to dissuade the queen because they said him that too. maybe she'd be fucking him. Also, Sir Francis Weston, he's 25. He's hot. He's well-connected. He's frequently playing cards with these people. He was a very believable fuckboy. Uh, Sir William Bremerton, also a favorite of Anne and Henry's. Um, and then the fifth guy uh, to be accused with her is Mark Smeaton. Total hottie. He's a non-noble. He's just an artist. He's us. He's a musician. He is such a good musician. He's such a good singer that he travels the world and is sought after by courts just to entertain them. And he's wow. out, right? So very believable that they would be fucking... Very interesting. The, the the crazy one is her brother, but um in 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 the movie just for uh-huh. that context it, context they they made it seem like it wasn't she was so desperate to be pregnant uh-huh. that she asked her brother to just totally. have sex with her. That and was he, part of it, and he like denied it and it was like, no, I really don't want to, I don't want to, and then she like guilt tripped him into like, come on, we're not gonna have an heir. Yeah. What am I gonna do? What yeah. are you going to do? Do you want England yeah. <laughs> to fall back into civil war? Then you better fuck your sister. Yeah, right? and, and I, I guess in the movie they implied that they did, but there was never like a clear, like they fucked. Yeah. But, they, but someone saw them about to fuck, and then that's what got out to the king. Is that true, or is it different well, from the book? Well, see, that's where it runs into trouble, because that's one of the things that is not trackable. There's a lot we know, and there's a lot we don't know. So we don't have all of the details of who witnessed what. Like some we do. For example, the guy, Sir Henry Norris, someone literally overheard them in a hallway where they were sort of professing, like, I love your poetry. I think you're so interesting, and like, whatever. And then she implied that you would marry me if the king died. Like if the king died, you would marry me. And 
some quote of like, you would wear a dead man's shoes or something. And that was enough. Somebody heard it. They were like, the queen had even contemplated that the king would die. And that it's if so he did, poetic the right? way she says it. <laughs> and then the, almost the rest of them seem to be complete fabrications. Honestly, all of these individuals also threatened Cromwell to an extent. If he could get rid of Anne and her biggest sources of support, if he could simultaneously convince Henry VIII that your closest friends were all working against you, this would give him the grounding to then be able to sort of take that influence for himself and become the new head shit. I told you about this May Day joust. The next day, after the king has stormed out, Anne is arrested, as are these five guys. They don't know about each other's arrests. She's put on a slow-moving barge down the river to the Tower of London, and she, she knows this isn't great. This is not a lovely cottage mm. <laughs> like Catherine got. And the crowds are coming. The crowds are coming to the river. The crowds have heard. They are rushing in. They have been fucking celebrity spotting, you know, all day. They're like, can't wait. The and they hate that bitch. And they're yelling things. And she comes in. And she's like, am I going to be in a dungeon? Oh, my God. And they're like, no. <laughs> You do actually get some fairly nice quarters, some like nice royal quarters. We're going to take good care of you. She gets there May 2nd. On May 17th at Tower Hill, thousands of people gather to watch those five guys be executed. Wow. Their trial was okay. There were actually some defenses that people who watched it were like, yeah, that's a really good, that's really compelling. I think he might actually get, no, never mind. <laughs> you know, they were all found guilty. And they were sort of executed in order of importance. Wow. So the nobles were executed first. And they were beheaded with an axe, Oof. which never apparently worked with one swing. Ugh. And frequently, the headman was the guy who... Why, really why do movies make it seem like one swing is enough? Right? Because I've like, we get thought, there. Really. I've always thought that. You know? The best execution I've ever seen on film is Braveheart. Braveheart. I'll, I'll Braveheart implied how bad it was. Yeah. And they still didn't show a lot, but you see the like twisting of the thing and yeah. Uh, right. Mm, so axe, mm. two chops and frequently the headman would have to finish it with a knife. Mm -hmm. mm. That's what happened with all four of them guys. Mark Smeaton, our hot, definitely talented musician is the last to be executed, which means he goes up through that bloodbath. Like everything that's happened around him. Torture. Total Awful, torture. Right. Could imagine. Anne, at this point, if she wasn't real sure of how it was going to go for her, it's inevitable now. There's no way these guys are guilty and executed for a crime I'm innocent of. <laughs> the whole thing relies on it happened, which means, right, I'm fucked. She does have some madness, demonstrated madness. I don't prefer to use that word because I think about myself <laughs> in this situation, but her, her jailer said that she would just cry and cry and cry and then start laughing hysterically and make some comment about like, my neck's pretty thin, so it probably won't take long and then laugh and laugh and then cry and cry. And I'm like, that's not crazy. That's, hey, that's she's a morbid as fuck, but I get it. I, I get, get it. it. Yeah. yeah. You put me in a room and you're like, we're going to behead you in a couple of days. I'd probably have some roller coasters <laughs> myself. I'm like, <laughs> like, oh my God, I did this shit. Yeah. Oh shit, it's crazy. I'm actually here. Oh yeah. my God, my life is. I'd pretty probably insane. make some sort of like, good thing I didn't get my hair cut. Like, I'd probably throw some terrible jokes out there. Anne dressed up for her execution. She wore a beautiful dress trimmed with fur, significant in the sense that it shows one, she's not falling apart, and two, if you're going to kill a queen, it's going to look like you're killing a queen. 
Damn, that's I want crazy. it to be the execution of a monarch up here and not some. She's I'm gonna floss it up until mm. I die. Exactly. <laughs> she wore it had a red petticoat lined with fur. Crazy. The king hired a special executioner for her, not the axe man who had done in these five other guys, but a special swordsman from Kali who was uh, famous apparently for doing it in one stroke. Whoa, that is okay. crazy. You gotta get the best. Gotta to kill get her. the best. And she wasn't dragged out to Tower Hill. They did it in semi privacy within the Tower of London. So she's still looking dope, but for less of a crowd. Her ladies in waiting are sobbing. Henry, of course, is not there. Henry has not laid eyes on her since that joust. Um, she addresses the people and her speech, very short. But what she says to the people is well-documented. And she says, now, I want you to think, before I tell you what she says, I want I'm you to so think excited. about you. Decked out as a queen. You're going to die today. Absolutely. Definitely. Everyone's listening. And everyone's quiet. Right? And this is your last chance to tell everybody and the world what's on your mind. What would you say? Oh, my God. This is a good one. If I was her, I'll say, fuck y'all. Um... I look good as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to make sure you all remember this and everyone who was a part of it. Fuck you. And then probably just die. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Fuck it. Run into the axe. Open up your shirt and run into that thing. Right. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. Maybe a thread of haunting or something if I really wanted to leave them there. Well, here's what our girl Anne says. (laughs) Good Christian people. I am come hither to die, for according to the law and by the law I am judged to die, and therefore I will speak nothing against it. I am come hither to accuse no man, nor to speak anything of that whereof I am accused and condemned to die. But I pray God save the king and send him long to reign over you, for a gentler nor a more merciful prince was never there. And to me he was ever a good, a gentle and sovereign lord." And if any person will meddle of my cause, I require them to judge the best. And thus, I take my leave of the world and of you all, and I heartily desire you all to pray for me. O Lord, have mercy on me. To God, I condemn my soul. She was very interested in getting to heaven Mm. with that last statement. She goes to her (laughs) ladies, exactly. She says goodbye to her ladies in waiting. They put a blindfold over her eyes. She kneels sitting up. Because this isn't an axe, it is a sword. So it's coming in from either the side or the back. And she mumbles prayers as our headman from Kali does his job. And he does it in one stroke. The pro killer. Just in one stroke. One stroke. Wow. Samurai sword, probably a huge machete. What would that look like? I don't know. That's, That's insane. Insane. Wow. And that great dress. (laughs) fucking ruined (laughs) um and for i'm sure like anytime you got like a big deal like this right a lot of people probably henry are like whoo i'm done done and now everything's going to be great because like all of this right this whole thing was for an heir and i don't know do you know how many wives henry the eighth ultimately had anne was his second so it's catherine and anne Catherine and I'm sure he had like another two. Another two. He had four more. He had six wives total. So after Anne, he marries Jane Seymour like the day after she dies. Marries marries Jane, makes her queen. And Jane gets pregnant, has a baby boy, and dies from complications from childbirth. Wow. 
then Thomas Cromwell arranges for him to marry Anne of Cleves. Some arrangement, it'll help him out, it cements something. And the king's like convinced. He, he has to do a little work to be like, I know you already have a boy, but like, this would be great. So for your next queen, may I recommend this Anne of Cleves? And the king sees a painted portrait of her. She looks great, right? He swipes right. He's like, great, let's Anne of Cleves, <laughs> let's do it. They bring their carriages to meet. Anne is so ugly. The king is like, ugh, can't do it. I like her not, is the quote. They never consummate the marriage. I, mean, <laughs> I like never her fight. not. I'm going to use that now. <laughs> and Thomas Cromwell is executed for, for doing it, for arranging for such up. an ugly fucking woman, for just kind of being a fuck and for arranging for him to marry an ugly queen he didn't want to marry, for making all of this happen again. He had Thomas Cromwell fucking executed. He dies in 1840, only four years after Anne. Damn, imagine I, maybe he thought he was, she was actually pretty or was it like him trying to sabotage the king? Like that's pretty. You I can, mean, was she that bad? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe she was. I mean, Henry was no catch at this point either. Like he's, he's kind of chubby. He's got already, an oozing leg. Yeah, he's got this oozing. leg wound that oozes and like he needs people to like leak his leg and Ugh. stuff. Like, yeah, not great. He, he feels like the blistery kind. He probably has like, <laughs> I don't know, gross. He does. He married. It's done. He just doesn't. No, baby. No. Con- and then he, that's not complicated for him. And he's picky. And he's picky. picky. Come on. Right. <laughs> you can't be picky. And he nuggets. doesn't. And this one, he gets this one because he's like, I never had sex with her. So it's easy to annul. A marriage that you never consummated. So he just moves on from Anne of Cleves and moves on to wife number five, Catherine Howard, who is beheaded for treason and adultery. Ooh, she cheated and he said, gone. Gone. And then his sixth and final wife, Catherine Parr, who seems perfectly fine. She outlives him by a year and eight months. That's so why how they just be killing wives just because they fuck right? up. Right. And then the heirs, because this is something you and I were talking about with our coffee and our joints, right? Yeah. So this whole thing, all this fuckery, all this crazy, all this anxiety, so all these excuses. Heir, heir, heir. So who is the heir, right? So I told you Jane Seymour has a boy and dies. Yeah. And he is growing up. And when Henry VIII dies, he is uh, coronated, Edward VI. And he's 10 years old and he's not very healthy. By the time he's 16, he is terminally ill. And everyone knows this guy's definitely going to die. He's de- definitely not going to live to adulthood. They, for a hot second, they're like, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck? And they name Lady Jane Grey as queen. It's like a, because there's still that York, Lancaster, kind of like old blood fighting. They're like, anybody but this. She's queen for nine days. And Mary, Catherine of Aragon's daughter, Mary, the one who was sent to be a bastard, the one that Anne Boleyn made yes. server, she kicks her ass out and is queen. She's like, uh, actually, my dad is, you know who right? the fuck my dad is? You know who my forget. dad is? Right. So she's married the first <laughs> and she's a bitch and she burns a bunch of people at the stake. And her big deal is my dad and that slut Anne destroyed the Catholic church. They destroyed my mom, but they destroyed the Catholic church and all this refor- reformation bullshit. So she like reverses course when she becomes queen. She's like, back it up. And she burns heretics and she tries to restore the Catholic church, but she can't have any babies either. In fact, she has all these false pregnancies. We now think are probably like uterine cancer, ovarian cysts, because they kept thinking she was pregnant and then it would be, and ultimately she knows she's going to die. Damn, ovarian cysts. That sounds crazy. And I think that you're pregnant. Totally. And so, <laughs> well, you know, they don't know. Yeah. And like, uh, so she agrees somewhat begrudgingly, but not that begrudgingly, because ironically they were buddies. That Anne Boleyn's daughter, Elizabeth, be coronated Elizabeth I. And she is. So Henry VIII, for all of this, both of his daughters, all he wanted was a son to be king. 
and both of his daughters ended up being queen. It is a fucking wild story, and people are so attached still to Anne Boleyn. Elizabeth I, of course, did a lot to elevate the reputation of her mother. A lot of history was revised. It's why sometimes historians like me trip. That doesn't make any sense. That record is gone. Sometimes it's because the people who loved Anne destroyed it. Sometimes it's because the people who hated Anne destroyed it. There were a lot of competing stuff, right? That's so wild. To me, it's like all those deaths. Like Henry was able to go to sleep at night knowing like he executed a bunch of his wives. And, and his buddies. And then to him, he thinks he's in the right still and he's still doing a service to his country. And like, <laughs> it's just so funny. And also, and how do you go to sleep at night, bro? Like that's, right? that's some crazy ass shit. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so sick. It's so great. Yeah. Oh man, Encrypt, I am <laughs> so glad that you came I'm so glad that you assigned this subject to me. It was so much fun. This has been fucking hella cool. You invited us to your home. I got to smoke a joint, made (laughs) made myself a fucking latte. Right? (laughs) We chilling and I learned some history. History is so important, you know, (sighs) and it kind of snaps us back into like, oh shit, reality and what's okay and what's not and fuck authority and what they think. Oh, thanks again to Encrypt. You go right now and you follow her everywhere. E-N-K-R-Y-P-T. You can also find a link to her in our show notes. Now listen, our next Hilf is featuring legendary literary icon Oscar Wilde. And I am joined by guest painter and designer Clarion Gutierrez Owens. Until then... Our theme song was composed and performed by Kat Perkins. A reminder that you can find my sources, links to the books, documentaries, and articles I reference in the summary of this episode or by emailing us, hilfpodcast at gmail.com or messaging us on social media at hilfpodcast. If you'd like to become a patron of the pod, (laughs) go to patreon.com slash hilfpodcast and see what we can do for each other. This has been Hilf. History, I'd like to fuck with Don Brody. I'm Don Brody, reminding you that history is a party. And everybody's coming.